and amen. All right. Good evening again, Converge Nation. Um, as you can see, uh, Pastors Ray and Wendy are conspicuously absent today. That's because Converge Church is sharing our pastors with the world. And so they are out. Uh, they've had a nice and wonderful two days of ministry giving out in Philadelphia. So they're making their way back and they will join us next week. But in the meantime, they did not want to leave you without spiritual food. And so they said, hey, you know, if you would give a word of exhortation to Converge Nation, um, it would be well appreciated. So that's why I'm here today. Um, and so I, it's, a, <laughs> it's a bittersweet moment uh, because, you know, we've been in the series uh, Supreme 2.0. And um, it's been a wonderful series where we're learning about how the church goes viral. And we're looking to the first century church uh, to see what they did, uh, what happened in their time to make the church go from just 12 men following Jesus to 120 in the upper room to 3,000 on the day of Pentecost to the millions that we are in 2021. And so um, last week, Pastor Ray talked about how a viral church, right, a church that has put Christ above all things is known above all for its power more than its popularity. And uh, <laughs> it, it, part of the reason why this is bittersweet is because, you know, our pastor is a tough act to follow. Um, because, uh, you know, if we were in between series, it'd be really easy. I could just come up with whatever the Lord has put on my heart and be a little bit easier. But uh, I will try to continue where he left off. Um, and uh, today's reading, we're going to look in Acts chapter 20. Uh, in the New Living Translation. And really, we'll read only up to about verse 12 of Acts chapter 20. Um, but before we do, I think it's important to give some context to at least the first few verses, right? And, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So I'll go ahead and I'll read uh, verse 1, and then you'll realize what I'm talking about here. So it's, uh, it talks about when Paul was going to Macedonia and Greece. And it starts by saying, when the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. So I know we've been going through a Bible immersion campaign, um, and you know some have been following along, but if you missed the opportunity to follow along, this uproar took place in Acts chapter 19 um, before Paul left Ephesus. And so the reason I wanted to give you that context is uh, I think it's going to be really important for what we're going to share today so we get some greater understanding of what we're talking about. And so the, the riot, it started, uh, again, as I said, in Acts chapter 19, and it starts at uh, verse 21. So what, what happened was, well, really at verse 23. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and read the first couple of verses, and then I'll explain where we're going from here. Uh, it says, about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. So Demetrius is, is, is the guy, basically, that, that starts the uproar, right? He's, he's a silversmith, and he, he makes shrines for the idol, Artemis. So Paul is going through Asia, he's making disciples, he's, he's preaching the word of God, he's starting churches, and people are believing in this Jesus 
business, right? And they're like, oh, wow, so we don't have to worship these gods. There's only one God, and there's Jesus. All right, great. So people are beginning to follow the way, as it's, it's, it's called. Um, and so because these people are losing business, they start some trouble concerning the way. They're like, okay, this Paul character, you know, he came in here. He's preaching a different God. He's talking about some dead guy who came back to life. This is not great for us, so let's, uh, let's do something about it. So they started this riot. People got beat up in court. It, it, it was not pretty. Um, and this is where our story picks up, right? So again, starting at uh, verse 1, it says, When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return through Macedonia. All right. Uh, and then he goes on to say, several men were traveling with him. These were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Titicus Antrophemes from the province of Asia, they went on ahead and waited for us in Troas. After the Passover had ended, we boarded a ship at Philippi in Macedonia, and five days later, we joined them in Troas, where we stayed a week. Um, and you're probably wondering, okay, what does that have to do with a church going viral? Well, let's read on the next four verses, and, and, and then we'll break this thing down and see what it's talking about. All right, so at verse seven, it says, on the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death, Below. Yeah, it didn't look good for Eutychus. Uh, but then it says, Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. Then they went back upstairs and shared in the Lord's Supper and ate together. Paul continued talking until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everybody was greatly relieved. Okay, wow. Right there, there's, uh, there's a lot we can talk about, but we will get to Eutychus' story. So, again, uh, in the series, we're talking about a church going viral. And, and we're thinking about, okay, what does it actually mean, first, for the church to go viral, but two, how does the church end up going viral? So, in, in, in chapter, in Acts uh, 20, at verse 1 and 2, right, it, it says that when the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. And then while he was in Macedonia, he also encouraged the believers in every single town where he went. And see, what Paul was doing is he was giving us a picture of how we as the church have a part to play in making the church go viral. See, what he did was he went to every town, started a church, but he didn't just leave them there. Paul went back to all the disciples. And as a matter of fact, in other translations, the word believers here in the Greek is the word disciple. 
So what Paul did is he called all of the disciples and encouraged them in every single town where he went. So if we, the church, are going to go viral, if this thing is going to blow up, blow up, the first thing we have to realize is we have to go back to the pattern that Jesus has set for us in the beginning. And that is the church has to put Christ first. And once we put him in his rightful place, then we begin to make disciples, right? So when Christ is supreme in the church, the church begins to make disciples. But not only that, we disciple them, right? And, and that's an important distinction. It's one thing to make disciples and say, okay, well, now you believe in Christ. God bless you. We're out. We're going to go make more disciples. It's another thing to go back and check in on their faith. See, Paul realized something that was very important, that Jesus had given us this mandate to make disciples of all the nations. And that was what kept Paul going every single place he went. Not only did he make the disciples, but he continued to disciple them. And, and the reason why this is important, Paul outlines this in uh, Romans 10, starting at verse 14 and 15. He says, he, he's talking about the world. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent that is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news see what paul was saying is that the great commission is for each and every one of us that is the mission the vision that jesus gave each and every person this wasn't a mission given to just the disciples or the apostles of Jesus' time. This was a mission that we, each and every one of us in this place, each and every one of us watching online right now, if you call Christ Jesus your Lord, this is your mission too. This is how the church goes viral. We make the disciples and then we disciple them. And Jesus gives us a picture of this, right? I mentioned the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Why is this important? This is important because making disciples stems from your own faith. And see, our faith, where it comes from, we love and know Jesus because someone told us about him. And so if we're going to live out this thing, if we're going to make the church go viral in 2021, we have to make disciples. And this doesn't mean that you have to preach a 10-point sermon everywhere you go. How we make disciples is how we live. This is something we tell the students all the time. Is, is, is your life is a testimony to how good God has been to you. And if God has been good to you, all you gotta do is just live this thing out and you're gonna make so many disciples. The way it happens is people look at how you live your life and they'll be like, okay, this person knows Jesus. And that's all it takes to know Jesus. And then from there, how we live our lives is how we make disciples. It's critically important because when we have the same faith that we profess, if we really, really have this faith, then we are gonna walk it out and when we do, we're not only going to make the disciples, but we learn how to disciple them. And part of what that takes, Converge, is checking in on your neighbors. You can tell who's not here, and you can tell who you haven't talked to in a while. What happens is sometimes, even in this connected world, we are 
connectedly disconnected. And so some people just need you to check in and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, how are you doing? You know, do you need me to pray for you? Right? That's how we check back in. That's what Paul was doing. He didn't just leave them. He went back to check in on them and say, hey, you know what? I know you're going through some really tough times. People are being persecuted. Some of y'all got beaten last week. Are you doing okay? Jesus still loves you. Regardless of what you're suffering, Jesus still loves you. And that's how we disciple, especially young believers. And it's critically important because of the second part, right? Um, The second part in in, in verse 3 says, He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. See, when you make Christ the first thing first, what you have to realize converges, sometimes you're going to face opposition. When Christ is supreme over your life, you will face opposition. And, and, and one thing we have to remember is that scripture tells us that even if it looks like we're fighting against each other, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not in this place. Our enemy is a spiritual enemy. And so if we're going to work this thing out, if we're going to be viral, first we have to realize that we're fighting against a spiritual enemy. And because we're fighting against the spiritual enemy, we need spiritual weapons so that when we face that opposition, Christ can fight our battles. There's a reason why we sing that song the way we do. Even if we're surrounded by our opposition, He fights our battles. And so we have to remember this. Uh, John said this way in uh, 1 John 4, 4. He said, take courage for you have overcome. For greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. I love it. And, and, and even the psalmist said it this way in uh, Psalm 35. He said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy, it comes in the morning. So when we put Christ above all things and we are beginning to face opposition, we should remember that he is the one that is fighting the battles. And we can engage our enemy with the weapons that he has given us. In another place in Psalm 34 verse 19, the psalmist says it this way, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God, the Lord, he delivers us from them all. So when we put Christ and he is supreme and we face opposition, we remember that these afflictions, though there are many, the Lord will deliver us from them all. And then even Jesus himself put this forth for us. He said, I'm telling you these things. He was telling the disciples, I'm telling you these things in um, John 16, 33, so that in me you may have peace. And did he give a reason why? He said, because in this world you will face trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, Christ did not even mince words about what we're going to face. When he is our Lord and Savior, we can be sure we will face opposition because we follow him. We will face opposition. But when we do, we should take heart because he has already overcome the world. In fact, another scripture in John tells us that as he is right now, so are we in this world. Our Christ is an overcomer. So are we in this world. So that means nothing in all the world can stand between us and Christ who has already overcome. So when we look toward him, the author and perfecter and finisher of our faith, 
we too can look for the joy that was set before him. And the reason why he despised the cross, or he, he took the cross and despised the shame, that's the same reason we can stand as well. He has overcome. So when we face our opposition and look toward Jesus, we too can overcome what comes. So it's really, really important for us to, to realize that this is a necessary ingredient. When the church goes viral, again, this is what Pastor Ray talked about, that we will be known for our power more than our popularity. So it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be popular. It, 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 it's, it's not going to go viral on social media the way we're thinking. But the church will go viral for all the right reasons. But for that to happen, Converge, we have to make sure Christ is above all things, that he is supreme, that he comes first. All right. So um, in the, the verse 4, um, Paul does something else, uh, and I love it. Luke, Luke was a doctor, so he, he pays attention to detail. A lot of what Luke writes has a lot of details in it. And uh, so in, in verse 4, he tells us about these men that were with Paul. Uh, and he calls them out by name. I'm not going to read them up again. But Paul had traveling companions, right? And this, this, again, is a picture of what it means to disciple. But, but it also means that whenever we find people that are coming to Christ, we have to bring them with us where we're going. Right? And so that's why Paul made it a point to always have a traveling companion. If it wasn't uh, Barnabas, it was Timothy or it was Silas, but he always had somebody that he was bringing alongside him to show him the way of Christ and to, 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 to really show him the way he lives and how he walks out the gospel on a daily basis. So it is important for us to do that as well um, for the church to go viral. And then... Um, this, there's something I love about verse, uh, verse 7, and, and I'm going to read that. Acts uh, 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. So here's, here's what happens, right? The world tends to tell us that we have to work, 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 and then at the end of the week, thank God it's Friday, we can rest. But see, in, in, in Jesus' kingdom, everything is upside down. In the kingdom of God, the first day of the week is rest day, right? So that's why they met with the believers on the first day of the week. See, Christ rose from the dead on Sunday. So unlike the believers of old who followed the law of Moses, who would worship on the Sabbath, which was a Saturday, our new Sabbath is a Sunday. So this is how God is designing it for you and me, that we rest first in the finished work of Jesus before we even begin any work for the week, right? So we start on Sunday, uh, and that's our rest day. And, and, and then Jesus says this in, uh, Matthew, 20, uh, in Matthew 11, verse 28. Um, he, I'm going to read it in the message paraphrase. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And the company with me, keep company with me, 
and you learn to live freely and lightly. So if we're going to do this, when, when the church puts Christ above all else, when Christ is supreme, something else happens for us. We find rest. So, so while the world is busy, we're fighting, and we're trying to figure out how to make ends meet, and we're doing this and this and that, Christ says, no, 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 hold on. Before you even do any work, come to me, and I'm going to show you how to do it. So, so the reason why we start our days on Sunday with rest and worship and the presence of God is that when you go out on Monday, the amen from Sunday can still be an amen, right? When somebody cuts you off in traffic, you can still say amen. Because see, it, it takes being recharged on a continuous basis in order to stay in this faith thing. Otherwise, if you don't get your batteries recharged by Tuesday, you'll be cussing people out in the road. So we, we rest first, and then we walk this thing up. And we come first on Sunday, right, to receive the instructions for the week, to receive the rest that we need so that we can walk with Jesus. He didn't say come to church and then leave by yourself. No, no, he says come with me. Walk and work with me. It's, it's, it's a partnership. So, so when we put Christ first, we find our rest in him. And when we partner with him, we can do all the things that we can, we can, more than we can even imagine. I'll tell you, I've been working and working like crazy. I know a lot of you have. But when I stop to think about it, it takes me only a moment to realize that in one day when I rest, Jesus can do so much more than I can do with my entire week. So let's get back here. If we're going to go viral, we got to rest in the finished work of the cross. And when we rest in the finished work of the cross, we can go out in the world. Making disciples will become more natural. You'll just walk into the grocery store and be like, that guy looks anointed. Let's get this thing. What are you on? I'm on Jesus. How about you? Come to church on Sunday. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's important for us to, to make Jesus the number one thing in our lives because he will give us rest, true rest for our souls. And we will lack nothing. That's why we sang that song. Again, he is Jairus. He's more than enough. But we only see that when we rest in him. When we're busy working, 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 he's not, we're not giving him room to do what he, only he can do. That's why it's important for us to come back and rest in Jesus. Make him number one and find rest in the finished work of the cross. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to bring this thing home. Uh, verse 8, um, it says, The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. Uh, the reason I love this verse is, again, like I said, Luke, he pays attention to detail, right? He didn't just say, well, the room we're in had a lot of lights or it, it was bright, but he's telling us that it was, it was lit with many flickering lamps. What I love about this verse is it, it, it's, it's subtle, but it speaks to something very important about the believer. See, Jesus said this of you and I. He said, you are the light of the world, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, right? So when I read this verse, at first I, I was just thinking about lamps being lit, but then when I thought about it, it was a meeting of Paul and, and the Ephesian believers. And, and 
When I think about that, the room was lit with many flickering lamps. I think of you, I think of me. See, Jesus, when he said, you're the light of the world, by myself, I'm but a flickering lamp. But when we come together into the room, the many flickering lamps begin to make the room look so much brighter, right? And so when we gather around his word, we become brighter together. So if the church is going to go viral, we have to remember that we are rooted first in the word of God. And the word of God is Christ Jesus himself. And if we do that, right, we put him first, we get rooted in the word, what's going to happen is we're going to find hope and peace even in our darkest times. The word of God will give us hope in our darkest times. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119 and verse 105. He said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. What the psalmist was saying is, without God, we are in the dark. But when we come together, see, look, I'm going to say this right now. You can read the Bible all by yourself all day long, and it will do you a lot of good. But when believers come together, that word begins to get brighter and brighter. What we do is we stir one another in, in good works, in, 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 in love. So, so it's important for us to gather together. If the church is going to be viral, first, we have to be rooted in the word but we have to gather together so that each flickering lamp, when we come together, can light up the whole room. Not only that, but we can light up the whole world. This is how the church becomes viral, where the many flickering lamps come together. And God has designed it this way for us to come together to get the nourishment that we need, not only from the pastor or whoever is up here, but we get nourishment from each other. See, there's something each one of us has to give to the other. That's why the body exists, right? So when we get together, not forsaking the gathering of the body, these flickering lamps can begin to become brighter. And God has designed it that way so that our families, our marriages, our work, our children, their schooling, all of it can be guided by the word of God, which is that lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet. It's critically, critically important for us to get together. And this is how the church goes viral. But again, what, what also does, right? And I mentioned this, is when we are in our darkest places, the darkest places, nothing anyone says in this world can take us out of those places except for the word of God. When we believe what the word of God says is true, when we're facing those dark times, whether it's opposition, whether it's sickness or disease or whatever it might be, the word of God is where we go back to. And Jesus shows us the way. And one thing I love about this, even when we're facing opposition, even when we're in dark places, is what we see in uh, verse 1 of Acts chapter 20. It says, after the uproar. See, what that means is when you're in Christ and he's supreme, there's always an after the uproar, right? There's always an after the dark time. That's why weeping endures only for the moment, but joy comes in the morning. There's always an after the uproar when we put Christ first. When his word lights up our way, we find everything that we need in him. So starting at verse 9, it says, uh, as Paul spoke on and on and on and on, 
a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. I love how this verse was included on here. Um, because we, we have the tendency as people. I know when I read it the first few times, I, I, in my human nature, I could see two sides of this coin. I could see this verse. First of all, it, it's like a warning right against you know, sleeping in church. It's like, hey, you see what, what happened to Eutychus? You sleep in church, you're going to fall and die. Um, but it, it, it can also be used right, by people to tell pastors, you know, just get in there, 10 minutes, get off. Otherwise, you're going to bore people to sleep. <laughs> but, but I think pastors especially should, should take heart when, when they read this because Paul was one of the best spoken people in his time. He, he was a rabbi, well-studied. He could refute arguments with the Jews. He did it every Saturday. He would go to the synagogue every Saturday, argue with them. He preached well. He, he was gifted in speaking. Yet, even when he was speaking, people fell asleep. So I, I think be, before we do anything else, we, we have to, you know, as, again, for, especially for pastors, when I tell them, hey, you know what, take heart. If people fall asleep, they fall asleep 2,000 years ago. You're good. It's not the first time. Um, but there's another reason why, why this verse is included in here. Um, and I believe it's more about what we've been talking about, that when Christ is supreme, the church is known more for its power than its popularity. See, what happened here is it's a beautiful picture of two different worlds from what I'm seeing when I read it. It's a beautiful picture of two different worlds because what we're getting is, first we see Eutychus, who in Greek, his name actually means good fortune. However, he had the misfortune of falling out of a window. But I, I think, again, it's a, it's a beautiful picture of what happens in real life. See, Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill, and, and we, we read from here that Paul had gathered all the believers in the upstairs room, right? So the way I'm envisioning it is people are sitting around listening to what Paul is saying, but Eutychus is kind of like on the windowsill like this, just kind of chilling, right? He wants to hear what Paul is saying, but he's probably looking down as well to kind of see what's happening in the world. This is a beautiful picture of sometimes where we can be as believers. And I, I believe the reason why Luke included the story was to demonstrate the power that was in the church. I mean, when you read what happened, Paul, he goes down, grabs him, and says, don't worry, he's alive, comes back up, and Eutychus is, in fact, alive. See, Paul didn't brag about it. He, he, he didn't get down there and start praying that Eutychus would come back from the dead. That's the power that was in the church at the time. He spoke the word, nope, he's alive, and he brought him back up alive, right? So it speaks to the power that was in the church at the time. As a matter of fact, Mark puts it this way in Mark 16, 20, in the uh, NIV, he says, this is when Jesus sent out the disciples. He says, the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. See, what, what, what happens when we put Christ first is that the power that is in Jesus can flow through us. The mess, this, this, this verse here was included to show us a picture of a church that was so committed so committed to Jesus, the church that put Jesus first, that they didn't even worry about what might happen if somebody fell down three, three stories down the floor to their death. 
because they knew, they knew they served, first of all, a Jesus that who he came back from the dead himself. But not only that, he has the power to bring us back to life. And so when you serve that Jesus, when you put him first, that same power. And the scripture said the power that raised Christ from the dead is also in you, right? That same power is also in us. The scripture didn't say that the power that raised Christ from the dead ended 2,000 years ago. It says it's in us right now. And so I think this is why it's so important that this verse was included in here. But it's, it's also included for two more reasons. The second reason is that when we put Christ first, the church has protection, right? And so this is what happens. This is what we see here. Not only do we have protection, but we also find grace. Eutychus fell, but Paul raised them back to life. And, 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 and I wanted to spend some time here so that we don't miss this. Because the reason why I said we see a sort of a combination of two worlds when we read this verse is because we can see what happens when we are sort of half in, half out, right? See, that's what I said. I, I believe with, with everything in my heart from reading this that Eutychus is a believer. He's a believer. That's why he wanted to hear what Paul had to say. But at the same time, Eutychus loved the things of the world. He didn't want to miss out so what he did was, look, I'm just going to listen to Paul here and just keep a watchful eye outside. And then, you know, I can have the, boast, the best of both worlds. So, but what, but what this verse is also showing us, right, is the protection that comes when we are in the church. It speaks of divine protection. It, but it, it, what it also does is it's talking to the believers. If church is going to go viral, the church, if it's going to go viral, we have to have God's heart for the lost. See, see what, what we're seeing here, right, is somebody who is in between two places. As a lot of us are or have been or will be at one point in our lives, it, it happens even to the best of us. When we love Jesus, but something in the world keeps pulling us back into the world. See, when that happens, this, this scripture right here is showing us the heart of the Father, and that's the heart of grace. And the reason I say that is because when Eutychus fell down, Paul went down to where he was. See, what, what that is, is a picture of if a believer falls, right, we miss the mark. Jesus comes down to where we are. We don't have to look up to a big mountain and say, well, I have messed up, so now I have to climb this mountain to get back to where Jesus is. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm going to come down to where you are, and I'm going to bring you up. But that only happens when we put him as the first and foremost thing in our lives. And, and the other thing that we see here is, again, I believe that Eutychus was a believer. So this doesn't tell us that there's any sort of licensure, right? We don't get a right to wild out and do whatever we want. That's not what this is about. This is about genuine believers who make genuine mistakes and fall because of one reason or another. God comes back to show us grace. This is the heart of the Father. Jesus, he, he, he puts it this way in Luke 15 and 20. Uh, this is, we know this as the parable of the prodigal son. Right? And, and, and we learn in this parable that after he had squandered all of his wealth and he was 
at the end of himself, he remembered something about his father's house. And when he did, he said, you know what? I'm going to dust myself off, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to ask my father to make me his slave. But check what the father does. He says, when he returns home to his father, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. See, what this verse is showing is Paul living out the gospel. Even Paul is showing us the father's heart. See, when Eutychus fell to his death, Paul didn't say, well, he was sitting on the windowsill. What Paul did was like, I'm going to go down to where he is, and then I'm going to embrace him. I'm going to show him grace, right? So that's what he does. He goes on, he grabs him with his hands, he embraces him, and essentially, by the Spirit of God, breathes life back into him, right? So this scripture is extremely important to remind each one of us that none of us are perfect, but we have a perfect, perfect Father in heaven. We have a perfect high priest, Jesus, who daily intercedes for us with God. So when we fall short, there's grace for the believer, there's protection, divine protection. Um, and so what Jesus wants us to remember is how we go viral, how the church goes from where we are today to where the church needs to be. We have to put him first. And then when we put him first, all of these things that we're seeking after, all of these, even the things we're not seeking after, but the things he knows are good for us will come to us, right? And so Eutychus, he returned home safe and sound. And what we see is a picture of, again, the resurrection power in the church, a church that is known more for its power than for its popularity. So what, what does that mean for you and I, right? So this is, this is where we're going to close um, today's message. What does that mean for you and I? First, it means that, that there's a bridge. There's a bridge that needs to be, essentially, there's a gap that needs to be bridged. First, Christ has to be supreme. First and foremost, Christ comes first. And then we have, on the other hand, the church going viral, right? The church going into every part of society. So if we're going to get this thing into our jobs, if we're going to get Jesus to inform every decision we make at the school council meetings, at the city council meetings, at our work, and everywhere that we go, there has to be something that happens in the middle. So we've put him as the first and foremost thing, and this is the end we're looking for. But what happens in the middle? How do we get to bridge this gap? And the way we do it is, is right here in this last verse that we just read. We do it by showing not only grace, but by acting in love, right? And, and you might be wondering, what, what, is, what does that mean? Jesus said it this way. He says, by this, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, right? So when somebody has fallen away from grace, um, it's not our job to judge them. In fact, our job is to go back and get them back in. See, when we do this thing that Jesus has called us to, when we are known by our love, this is where we bridge the gap between the unchurched who have never seen Christ, but they see you and they say, well, Jesus must be working, right? But then we also see the de-churched, those who have come in, have fallen out, and no longer have a reason to come back in. 
By this we will be known, by our love. When we live out this gospel in love, we bring the de-churched back to church and the unchurched to church for the first time. That's how the church goes viral. That's how we connect the dots. We put Christ first and he informs every decision that we make. And he leads us with his love to the people we have to bring back in. And this is how we do this thing. So, when Christ is supreme, a few things happen, right? We talked about it. First, we find rest for our weary souls. He's our light in the darkness. And then we also have divine protection. In Psalm 91, verse 14 through 16, he says, Because he has set my love on me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You see, when, when, when we get into that place where we put Christ first, we, we get a benefit of a couple of things, right? First, we set our love upon him, and then we know his name. These, these are critical ingredients in order to receive what this, the psalmist is talking about here. It says, because he has set his love upon me, and he has known my name. So that tells us that if we don't know his name, we don't get his promises. So just showing up to, to check a box is not enough. We actually have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's what it takes for us to have and disciple other people. See, if I don't have faith that God will save me, I'm not going to preach a savior God to another person. But in order to know that God will save me, I have to first know his name and know that when I call on him, he will answer me. And this is the promise he has. When we know his name, when we set our hearts, when we set our love upon him, then when we call him, he hears and answers us. And he does deliver us in our time of trouble. So what do we do with this information? We should not fear the opposition. See, when, when, when opposition comes because you're rooted in the word of God, it's not something we should fear. And I love the response that Paul has here um, in, in Acts 20, starting in verse 22. He says, And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, opposition comes, but who you know determines how you act when opposition comes. See, Paul knew Jesus, and he said, you know what, because I know Jesus, I don't care what comes my way. I don't fear opposition. The Holy Spirit has already told me, jail and suffering are where you're going, but that's where I want you to be. And Paul said, you know what? My life is useless to me unless I use it to serve Jesus and to tell people, I love this part, to tell people the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So when you put Christ first and you're facing that opposition, don't fear opposition. Yeah. 
But see, how we react is determined, again, by who we know and what we believe. So Converge, if anything, you should leave this place knowing that Jesus is for you and he is fighting your battles. If you leave this place with nothing else, know that when you call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. And, and <laughs> this, is, this is the last point I'm going to make um, today. <laughs> and and it's, it's concerning Eutychus. See, God loves to save us. But it's also important for us to do something as well. And that is, don't sit on the windowsill. Don't, don't, don't sit on the windowsill. Yeah, I know it's funny. But see, the reason you don't want to sit on the windowsill is because... Even though there's grace, God doesn't want divided loyalties. If the church is going to go viral, if we're going to be known more for our power than our popularity, we have to be all in for Jesus. It's, it's one thing to be debating as a new believer. Well, do I really believe? Do I not? But as mature believers, we can't be stuck between the world and the church. If we're going to do this thing, if we're going to move the ball forward... We have to stop sitting on the windowsill. See, here's what happens when you're half Jesus, half world. The truth is you don't even get to enjoy either one of them. You don't get to enjoy Jesus. You don't even get to enjoy the world. You're with Jesus. You feel guilty about what you did. You're in the world. You're like, but I know Jesus. What am I doing here? And you're just miserable. So this is what we do, Converge. If this thing is going to go viral, we got to be all in for Jesus. Make Christ supreme and let him reign supreme in our lives and be all in. If we do that, we're going to see the fruits of the Spirit manifesting in each and every one of us. We're going to show kindness. We're going to treat people with love. We're going to be guided by love. And that's where we're going to bridge that gap. Like I said, to bring the de-churched and the unchurched back to church. And that's how we go from 12 to 120, to 3,000, to the millions that we are today. Let God's love be what guides you. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what He's already done at the cross and just let Him, with the unforced rhythms of grace, lead each and every step of your life. Amen? Amen. Well, well that's all I have for you all, Converge. Um, we will uh, we'll work this thing out. We'll work this thing out. Uh, let's go ahead and pray and uh, close today's service. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this place. We thank you, Father, for your word, the word that does not return to you void, but comes out to accomplish every single thing, Father, that you've set it out to accomplish. We thank you, Father, for everything that we have received today. And Jesus, we ask you to help us make you reign supreme, to be first and foremost in our lives so that your love can be the expression that we live by and that we can go from this place to the next place, to where we work, to our families, even to the marketplace with the same love that we received and that the word that we receive on Sunday can continue to carry us throughout the week until we gather again. Heavenly Father, we pray that this word will reach every single heart and that you will touch these hearts, you will change minds, and you will guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, and so we ask that you 
manifest this word that we just had today, just manifest it in our hearts and help it bear fruit tenfold, a hundredfold, even a thousandfold. Jesus, we thank you for what you are doing in this place. And may your will be done, Lord. It is in your mighty and matchless name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Were you all blessed by the word today? All right. Uh, Please stand, and we will bless you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. For this we thank you, Father, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Converge, we'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear. Or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977 Type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.